message this morning is kingdom influence, a kingdom lifestyle. Would you say a kingdom lifestyle? Come on, say it a bit louder. Kingdom lifestyle. How many of you want to live a kingdom lifestyle? How many of you don't want to live a kingdom lifestyle? You might be in the wrong place. I don't know. Maybe you've come to the wrong gathering. <laughs> but we want to live a kingdom lifestyle. We've been speaking about the theme of kingdom influence since the start of this year. Because we feel that the Lord has laid it on our hearts that we should be speaking around kingdom influence. And so we continuing to speak about that. And while we all agree that this is what we should be doing, living a life of kingdom influence for God, sometimes we don't always know how to go about it. Sometimes the how-to is not always so clear. And that's why it's good to look at parts of Scripture where we can get a clearer picture of the how-to. So please turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And here in Acts chapter 2, we see a kingdom lifestyle being modeled. In Acts chapter 2, this kingdom lifestyle is being modeled by the early church. And I believe that there's some things that we can learn around kingdom influence from this little passage of Scripture. So we're looking at Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. Verse 42 is especially important this morning. Please follow in your Bibles. It says there, And they continued steadfastly. I want to emphasize that. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in praise. Notice what was making up that kingdom lifestyle. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and this is the verse that scares the living daylights out of some of us. Verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. I want to tell you, God wants to return the favor of God upon his church in society. Let me say that again. God wants his favor to return to the church in society in terms of the church is often just uh, seen as the laughing stock of the world. I believe God wants to change that, that the fear of God would again come upon society with regards to knowing that God is in their midst, and God is at work. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, in this passage, in the very first verse, it says, they continued steadfastly. Would you please say that with me? They continued steadfastly. Now, you could just glance over that. You could read that so quickly that it might not actually sink in. But think about that. 
Here is a church that was steadfast. And this is what it says in the um, New King James Version. They continued steadfastly. But do you know that in about four other translations, it is translated as they devoted themselves. I'm not yet on point one, so you can just go back for a moment. In about four other translations, that is what it says, that they devoted themselves. Would you say that phrase with me? They devoted themselves. I find that very interesting. I ask myself today, how much devotion is there? If the New Testament church, if it was said of them that they devoted themselves, I ask in the church of Jesus Christ globally today, how much devotion is there? Which brings me to point number one. Thank you. They devoted themselves. This was a defining characteristic of the early church, a heart of devotion. They set a tremendous example in being devoted to the purposes of God. They had followed Jesus. They had witnessed the crucifixion. They knew that Jesus was dead and he got buried. And, and they had now seen him as the resurrected Christ. But you know what? After Jesus appeared as the resurrected Christ, he said to them, go and wait in Jerusalem. And this was yet another sign of their devotion because you know what? They went and they waited for the 50 days of Pentecost. They went and they gathered in some sort of an upper room and they were together. They were devoted even before the Holy Spirit was poured out. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out. And these guys were so alive, so full of God. And there was devotion in their hearts. I tell you what, when Jesus as the resurrected Christ becomes a reality to you, and secondly, when the Holy Spirit is poured out in your life, and you experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, I believe there will be devotion. Can I get an amen? There will be devotion. And so they were devoted. They devoted themselves. This is very important. Now, let me tell you this. No one else can cause you to be devoted. <laughs> Nobody else. Not your mother if she's still praying for you. God bless her cotton socks. No one can cause you to be devoted. You have to choose to be devoted all by yourself. That's one of the realities of love. You have to choose all by yourself. And I believe as you make that choice, yes, the Holy Spirit comes and reinforces you and enables you to do the things that God wants you to do. But first and foremost, there's a step that we take. There's a step of devotion that we take. There's a decision that we take that says, I'm going to follow God. And for that decision to be made, it can happen at various stages in a, people, in a person's life. I remember for my dad, it was at the age of 18. Well, I don't remember, he told me. At the age of 18, he said that God called him and God changed his life and God set him on a new path and he devoted himself to God. From the age of 18, when he became born again, his life completely changed. There was devotion to God that came into his life. And you might say, well, how can you speak about this, that there has to be this devotion? Well, I'll back it up from 1 Chronicles 16 verse 9 and it says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
fully committed. Doesn't that sound like devotion? Sounds like devotion to me. If your heart is fully committed, you are devoted. And I want to say that God is looking for devoted hearts. He sees the private decisions in those little quiet moments in your own heart where you choose, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to serve God. He sees those and he comes and strengthens those hearts as we show that we are fully devoted to him. I ask you this morning, how are you doing in terms of your personal devotion to God? Maybe you say, well, you know, a good five or six years ago, I was really, I was amping, but I'm not there today. Maybe God wants to stir that fire in you today, that that devotion would return, that you would say that as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to stop playing around. We're not going to come to church to play church. We're going to come to meet with God. We're going to seek God's face. We're going to spend time in the word, etc., etc. Devotion is actually all about leadership, personal leadership. Do you know that you have to lead yourself before you can lead others? I was in a conference with Bill Hybels in Johannesburg uh, some years ago, and Bill was speaking about personal leadership, and he said the following. He said, you know what? Who is responsible for your personal passion? Everyone's thinking, who's responsible? He said, you are. <laughs> you are responsible. And he was getting people to say this, say, I am, I am responsible for my personal passion. And it is so true. In terms of passion and devotion, you have to make a choice. You have a free will and you have to exercise that. And I believe that God is looking for that kind of a passion, that kind of devotion. And you know, I just think of my son, uh, my eldest son who's 16, Jason. Him and his brother Michael, they are in Australia at the moment. And so for three weeks, Mandri and I are without our kids. I'm feeling like empty nest syndrome. Uh, not too many people know what that's about, but anyhow. But it feels rather strange not having our boys. I mean, they are noisy and suddenly the house is so quiet. Pass the butter. You want the salt? There we go. It's so quiet in the house, you know? Anyhow, let me not get sidetracked. I'm going to stay on focus here. So, my son Jason, he's, he's passionate about guitar. He loves playing guitar. He's been playing for, I don't know, a bunch of years now. But we don't have to coerce him to practice. We don't have to force him to practice. He just loves to play all by himself. I mean, he takes the guitar with him everywhere. We go on holiday, he wants the guitar to fit in the car as well. I'm saying, son, have you seen what your mother has packed? <laughs> Did I actually say that? But I said, son, I don't know if we're going to be able to fit the guitar. Can't we take the trailer with that? I want my guitar. And he plays guitar in the bedroom. He plays guitar at the coffee table. He plays guitar at the lunch table. He plays guitar in the garden. He plays guitar in the hammock. He plays guitar all the time. And now, while he's in Australia... He knew he couldn't take his guitar to Australia, but he knew that Granny Omar has got a guitar in Australia, so he bought a pair of strings, and he said he's going to restring it because he's a lefty and she's a righty, and so he's going to be playing and practicing in Australia, and that's what he's been doing. Now, there's something about devotion which is quite admirable, isn't it? And all by yourself, there's a desire. And I want to challenge you today and say that I believe God wants to stir that desire, that all by yourself. You're leaning into God. You're leaning into the purposes of God for your life. The early disciples, they weren't running around like hooligans. 
They were living focused lives. They were living devoted lives. They were devoted to God's word, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They devoted themselves. Would you say that with me? They devoted themselves. It's part of a kingdom lifestyle. Number two of five things I'm sharing today. Devoted to fellowship. According to Acts 2.42, we see that they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, fellowship is an important, was an important part of the life of the early church. And the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia or koinonia. Now, koinonia speaks of sharing together, participation, friendship, and being in community. Do you know that we all love community? We really do love community. Why does somebody want to hang around for endless hours in a bar? Because they love community. They might like to drink as well, but there's a lot of community going on there. Why do colleagues who work together, maybe colleagues in a legal firm, they've worked together the whole day, but yet Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon, they still want to go out for drinks together? Why do they want to do that? Because they like community. Inside each one of us, there is a desire for community. And listen to the statement that's on your screen. The church of Jesus Christ is the best place in the world for meaningful and life-giving relationships. Can you say amen to that? And you know what? Fellowship is special. We're so privileged to enjoy fellowship, to enjoy engaging in the body of Christ. Do you know that it's a privilege to be part of the family of God? It's a privilege. I love it. Before and after the services, the fellowship and the kair time. Kair is Greek for koinonia. That's another word. But anyhow, kair and fellowshipping together, it's so lovely to stand around and chat together with the family of God, with the body of Christ, where you're one in heart, you're one in spirit. And you know what? We should cherish our fellowship. We should value our fellowship. But you know that there's a, a trend in church attendance nowadays that what happens is people devote themselves in January to getting back into church. But then by February and March, it's like long and forgotten. And I think that maybe one of the reasons is sometimes people see in, in engagement in the church and in the kingdom, they almost see it as a New Year's resolution. It's like one of those things on the list, together with losing weight, being happier, uh, getting fit, making more friends on Facebook, etc. you know? But I believe that engagement in the kingdom things of God, which includes participation in the local church, should be seen in an altogether higher level. <laughs> this is an altogether different priority when we're talking kingdom involvement. And it says in Matthew 6.33 that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I want to challenge you unashamedly and unapologetically today to devote yourself to participation in church life. I want to tell you, it will affect your spiritual health. It will help you in discovering Jesus because part of our discovering Jesus is we discover him in and through the body of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. And I'm not talking about being legalistic. 
No, I'm just talking about being devoted. And at the same time, I want to say that I have to commend so, so many people in this body that you made this decision long ago that you would be devoted to engaging in the kingdom. I think of one of my spiritual fathers. Kevin Doran was one of my spiritual fathers. And you know, he made a decision early in his life that he would always be a church. And he said he made a decision even if he didn't feel well, he was going to be there. And he stuck to that. And by and large, that is exactly what he did. And God honored him for that. And God used his life to extend the kingdom. But let me tell you, devotion to fellowship, the early church knew what that was about. It's part of a kingdom lifestyle. Number three, devoted to God's word. In Acts 2.42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. Now, the apostles' doctrine, I believe that we can refer to that phrase, the apostles' doctrine, in today's day and age in the same way as saying the word of God. So, we are devoted to the word of God. It's the same as saying that they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. But the emphasis of their devotion was not only, as I've looked at the scripture, it was not only that they knew the doctrine. But this church lived it. This church acted upon it. They weren't a bunch of people saying, yeah, 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 we're here, we're here, we're here, but we don't do. This was a church, uh, a powerful group of believers. And part of what made them powerful was that they acted upon the word of God. They were devoted to the doctrine. They were devoted to God's word. And out of that living and acting on the word, strong things came about. If you show me a Christian that is full of God's word, I'll show you a strong Christian. If you show me a Christian who has precious little of God's word in their lives, I'll show you somebody who is struggling. And that's why devotion to the word of God is so important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are built up by the word. Won't you say that to the person next to you? We are built up by the word. I'm checking that everybody's turning to the person next to them. We are built up by the word. But this powerful New Testament church knew what it was like to be devoted to God's word. Oral Roberts, how many of you ever heard of the ministry of Oral Roberts? In 2009, he went to be with the Lord. And he was a wonderful man of God, a gracious man of God. He was wonderfully used in terms of healings, miraculous healings. And they were interviewing him in one of his last interviews, and they said to him, uh, Dr. Roberts, what would you say to young pastors entering the ministry? What advice would you give to them? And he said the following. He said, read the Gospels and act over and over again. They said, why? He said, because they are the only books on the earth that contain the actual words of Jesus. And he said, every young preacher must be filled with the words of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Be filled with the words of Jesus. That reminds me of Colossians 3 verse 16. And it says there, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Devotion to God's word is part of a kingdom lifestyle. Number four, are you still with me, church? 
number four or five things I'm sharing. Devoted to the breaking of bread. This is very interesting. That it formed part of the fabric of the early church that communion, the Lord's Supper, breaking of bread was very important to them. Now here in this local church, once a month, the first Sunday of every month, we have a time of communion. I look forward to the communion services, I really do. And they are special times. And this past Friday, we had the, the privilege of partaking in the covenant meal, the Lord's Supper, communion. But I want to say, as a kingdom believer, partaking in communion for you should not be limited just to when it takes place at church. You can have communion privately or by yourself. You say, but mustn't a leader in the church serve it? No, you're a leader. You're a, a king and a priest unto God. And we're a kingdom of priests. And let me tell you, you can partake in communion all by yourself. I know some people in our church that they make a daily habit of doing that. And I think of Ed and Minerva over there, if I'm not mistaken, on a daily basis, they partake in communion. They love to do that. Let me tell you, when a fam family gathers together, you can, if you want to, just take a bit of bread, a bit of juice, and partake in communion, and then have your supper, have your meal together. And it seems as though this was preeminent in the New Testament church. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus was so real to them. And they were keeping alive this whole thing of the death and resurrection of Jesus by doing this in remembrance of me, as the Bible says. And so the breaking of bread was keeping the cross at center stage. And I want to tell you, a church that keeps the cross at center stage will not get off the rails. A church that keeps the cross at center stage will... Stay on track for the purposes of God. And you know what? I think of our hospital visitation team. By the way, we have a great team of volunteers in our hospital visitation team that are going out many times a week to go and pray for people in hospital. And sometimes they go and serve communion to a person in hospital. Let me tell you, you're recovering from a heart bypass and somebody walks in and serves you communion. As, as a believer, they serve you communion. I want to tell you that means so much. And there you're recovering from a heart bypass or recovering from knee surgery or whatever it might be. You serve communion. It is so beautiful, so powerful, so meaningful. And let's be devoted. It seems that the early church, the way in which they did communion is that they would have communion, the bread and the cup, and then they would go into eating a meal together and having fellowship. And by the way, our life groups are excellent places for that to take place, partaking in communion. Life group leader, don't forget about that. Point number five, it is a shorter point, devoted to prayer. It's clear from the scripture in verse 42 that they also devoted themselves to prayer. And now the early church had just experienced Pentecost, which was the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And let me say this, that I believe when the Holy Spirit is poured out, there will always be a returning to prayer. I think of the Brownsville revival that took place somewhere in the late 90s or something like that. Together with that move of God that took place in Brownsville, uh, Pensacola, Florida, wherever that took place, 
there was a noted moving in terms of prayer that began to rise again. And so I believe that this is part of our kingdom lifestyle. You say, yes, we want to be a kingdom influence in the city. And yes, my life, I want it to be a kingdom influencing life. And I want to say to you, prayer has to form part of your life. And in terms of the prayer that they're speaking about here in this particular verse, it seems as though this may particularly refer to public prayer, corporate prayer taking place. And I want to say this. The Bible says in James 5, verse 16, it says, The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. You know what availeth much means? It means it produces results. Something that I love is when we as a congregation, when we are engaged in corporate prayer. Don't you love it when we do that? There's many times when we'll, at one point in the service, pray for something regarding our nation, pray for something in government, pray for rain, and, and we all stand and we begin to pray together. I want to tell you, corporate prayer is wonderful. And there's something that I love even more than the, just the corporate prayers when we begin to pray in the Spirit, when we intercede in the Spirit. Oh, I just love that when we intercede in the Spirit. How many of you also love to pray in the Spirit? Raise a hand. We love to do that, and it's so wonderful. And I believe that this is very much part of the fabric of the early church. Devotion to prayer is part of a kingdom lifestyle. In conclusion, I want to say that God is calling you and I, I believe with all my heart, to a kingdom lifestyle. It involves devotion. It involves God's word. It involves fellowship. It involves breaking of bread, and it involves prayer. Would you stand with me right now? I'm going to ask that just for one minute that we will pray corporately in our heavenly language. Can we do that, church, just for a minute? And if you don't have a spiritual tongue, you just pray in your own natural language. Let's do that right now. Manano yese preketili is. Lift your voice a little bit. Mata yaso brokupre. Menene yese brokupre ti yese mbre. Sepetili ato kumbra bamba. Semene yese kumbra yeste peti yasto. Sambanano lo yaso brokupre. Sepetili yese mbra patano yaso mbreketi yeste. Menene yese brokupre yesato. Yalato to kuli yese mbreketi yesto. And Lord, we just want to thank you for today. We thank you that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is now within us. And that the life of God is within us. That we are alive to God. That Jesus is alive and you are living within us. And Lord, as we go into this week, we pray that we would go in your favor. That we would walk in your blessing. And that we would be those that live a kingdom lifestyle. I bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise.